launched back in 2009, have two key products. Uh, they're scaling nicely, 550 customers right now. Uh, CRM kind of workflows integrations, making everything more efficient. Again, 550 customers paying anywhere between five and six figures per year in terms of ACV, growing between 10 and 100% year over year. They've just raised 3 million bucks in equity, another 1.6 in venture debt from lighter capital. Again, scaling nicely with their team of 30 in remote locations as they look to acquire new customers and optimize for a 12-month payback period. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Mark Alban. He is the founder of a company called uh, App Buddy, which helps simplify complex CRM processes. All right, Mark, are you ready to take us to the top? Yeah, sure thing. All right, so tell us more about the company. What do you guys focus on? What do you do? And what's your revenue model? Is that a pure SaaS play? Yeah, it is a pure SaaS play. So basically, what we do is we help people manage a lot of data in enterprise systems where it's uh, very difficult to do today. So we've kind of taken reporting and data management, merged it into uh, one thing, one single user experience where uh, people can edit uh, very complex use cases all from one screen. Uh, so we are a SaaS model where per user per month, uh, we typically do annual contracts and uh, we have a good swath of enterprise customers that uh, work with us as well as uh, small and mid-market customers. If, it sounds like you have obviously many different cohorts of customers here. If I forced you though into an average, what would you say kind of the average ACV is across one of your customers? Mm, I prefer to kind of keep uh, numbers, not, not not necessarily. I wouldn't really want to say anything about numbers specifically, but uh, we've got a uh, pretty good average ACV. It's been doubling uh, year over year for the enterprise segment. Yeah, Mark, sorry. Just give me like a range. I'm trying to understand if it's like 10, we're talking 10 bucks a year or 10 grand a year, 10 million a year. Just give me a general range that you're comfortable with. Uh, we, we definitely do uh, five, six, six figure deals. Okay, got it. Uh, so you're at the point, you're at the point where you're leveraging kind of an inside sales team at that scale then. Yeah, we do have an inside sales team. Uh, we also have uh, a growing and more robust uh, partner channel. Okay, got it. Very good. And put this on a timeline for me. When did you launch the company? Uh, 2009, we launched the product actually on the App Exchange in 2010. Uh, You're talking so, about Salesforce? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So uh, recently, we actually got on the SAP App Center and started supporting um, multiple platforms with our new product, AppBuddy Cloud. But GridBuddy started in 2010. Is the Is the... Oracle kind of integration performing the same as, or sorry, the SAP integration performing the same as you saw the Salesforce integration perform in the early days? Uh, as far as uh, business-wise, you mean? Well, I mean, in terms of you getting new customers from the channel. Uh, I would say the Salesforce channel is a lot better, right? So the problem with the SAP, Acos, SAP uh, app ecosystem is that they're not necessarily socialized to be an app ecosystem as much as Salesforce is. Salesforce has done a really good job uh, socializing their customers that, hey, we have this platform, but then you can tack on apps very easily on top of that. And uh, unfortunately, I think the SAP mindset is a lot more, um, it's a lot more, hey, if I, if I want to do some uh, customization, I'm going to engage in a two-year project. That's just uh, even for their SaaS products, their customers are still thinking that way. Mm -hmm. And get us in your brain a little bit. What were you doing in 2009 where you said, okay, now's the right time for me to kind of go all in on this new idea? Yeah, sure. So um, actually, uh, I'll even go further back than that. Okay. Uh, so me and the co-founder, uh, Leah Potkaminer, we actually uh, helped to co-found a business in 2002, which was an app builder uh, pretty similar to what we're doing right now. We tried to bootstrap that company, made a lot of mistakes. You learn a lot from the mistakes you make. And uh, one of the things that we saw after that turned into a consulting company. So I was consulting for the likes of um, uh, some Salesforce uh, consulting companies, like some boutique consulting companies, as well as uh, uh, Blue Wolf and, and whatnot. And um, I was also working inside. Uh, I worked inside uh, Salesforce itself as uh, part of that consulting company as well. 
and just worked on a lot of Salesforce instances because I started picking up a Salesforce consulting um, after we became a consulting company and saw that the paradigm that we uh, created back in our original company was actually um, really useful, but we needed to revise certain things. For instance, we were in that original company trying to get people to do their own, a, a brand new system of record. Well, a lot of people already have Salesforce and already yep. have their system of record. So our approach with AppBuddy was really just to be a thin layer on top of what they're already doing today. I see. And you um, you now have obviously multiple product lines, GridBuddy for Salesforce, AppBuddy for SAP, but you, then you have kind of four, I believe, four different kind of solutions you layer on top of those. Do all the, each of those four solutions layer on both of those two key products? Yeah, yeah, they're they're basically uh, use cases for those products, and we have some out of the box templates that get you going. So any any fast growing SaaS company, right? You can't get to net negative revenue churn, or sorry, in, or net retention higher than one hundred percent without some kind of upsells or pricing axes. Is it right. fair to say that your inside sales team are really using these four products to drive expansion, and that's where most of your expansion is coming from? Well, they are using actually the single product to, to drive expansion. Some of those additional template, it's not, we, we have two products. And then those additional use cases that you're seeing on our website are templates on top of those two products, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, primarily GridBuddy is our best-selling one. So what they're doing is they're saying, pipeline management, now you perhaps have a service use case that you can also use this for as well. Sometimes we have out-of-the-box templates that uh, fulfill those additional use cases, sometimes we don't. And in those cases, it's just as easy to customize our uh, core product for the use cases where we don't have templates. But just to be clear though, if people are only driving, if your inside sales team is only driving expansion based off those two key things, let's say use GridBuddy for example, what are the axes they use to drive up ACV on that? Is it like a number of seats and then additional features and then some data metric? What are the pricing axes if they're not selling those four additional modules on top? Yeah, it's usually number of seats. So basically we're just getting more seats. Uh, so we allow you, in most cases, we allow you to do unlimited grids. So that encourages adoption. And that's where people start to say, hey, I want to use it for this group or this group. Sometimes those uh, those expansions, a lot of times the expansions actually happen within the same use case, but people are actually rolling out to different geographies. So we have some uh, customers who are multinational and they have a bunch of different groups that they're rolling out, us out to. Yeah. So what do you what do you model? I think you said this earlier, but I missed it. What do you model kind of year one to year two expansion? At? Are they typically doubling in the first two years or tripling or less? Um, you mean as far as uh, we're tripling ARR? We're definitely no, not tripling. Yeah. No, that's uh, that. No, no. My question was exp- ex- expansion on a customer. Typically, when oh, you s- on a customer, it really depends. I mean, we have individual account plans, and we at the beginning we suss out the uh, the expansion opportunity. Of course, at the highest level, that's driven by the amount of licenses they have in the core platform we support, either SAP or Salesforce, and then uh, start to map out how those uh, licenses are utilized across the account and whether they're a good match for our app or not. Because not 100% of the Salesforce users are necessarily going to be a really good fit for AppBuddy. Who's responsible on your team in terms of the title for driving expansion? Does the AE stay with the account post-sale or do you have a customer success team that handles expansion? We do have a dedicated customer success team that uh, handles expansion. We, we, we really believe in investing in customer success and it's definitely paid dividends for us. But when the expansion uh, becomes a new opportunity, the AE comes back into the account. When does expansion become a new opportunity? 
when it, we've qualified it according to uh, what we need to say it's an opportunity. So there's a project involved, there's a, a certain amount of users, we have budget, we have authority, there's a compelling event and timeline. So basically uh, those are our, our baseline qualification uh, criteria in order to become an opportunity. There's a lot of folks trying to trying to figure out whether CS folks that are really responsible for expansion and usage and, ad- and adoption should also be quota carrying. Some people make them quota carrying. Some people don't. They just give bonuses based off expansion. How do you handle incentive like incentivization around the kind of the CS role? Our main incentive is uh, retention, right? For the CS role, we don't actually uh, make our CS uh, roles uh, quota carrying. Um, we feel that we really, first and foremost, want the CS role to be um, a trusted contact for the account that uh, where, where they feel like they can give them both the good news and the bad news, right? Because actually bad news is actually really good for us because what we do is we have a very tight integration between our CS team and our product team to go back to the product and actually uh, make improvements to save accounts. And in several cases, we've actually done that. Um, there's a bonus that, uh, you know, our bonuses and our incentives actually, um, are somewhat dependent on, uh, sales company wide because there's a, there's a component where the entire company needs to be successful in order for say that percentage of the bonus that's based on that to, to actually kick in. But by and large, as far as what we put on our CS teams, uh, incentive, it's all about retention. Yep. And what is it? What is the total team size today? Uh, CS team total size is uh, four. Okay, I meant the total the whole team. Oh, actually the whole team. So we're around thirty something people. Okay, okay, so good. You got more than ten percent focused on CS specifically. What about account executives? Uh, account executives, we have three. Okay, good. And so the team is ten ish. In charge of, uh, of sales, and one of the CS team people, he's actually the lead, so he's in in charge also in pre sales. So okay, and is everyone based out there in California, or are you guys spread out? Nope, we're spread out. We got a couple people in uh, the Denver area. Um, we got, uh, for the AEs, we have one in Indianapolis. We have uh, our marketing, uh, some of our marketing folks. I know we didn't cover that, but they're in Phoenix. So yeah, okay. we've definitely adopted a geographically dispersed model. That's um, good, a little more freedom. Yeah, and hiring in the Bay Area is uh, competitive. It's very tough, yeah. Okay, so 09 you launch. Uh, what have you scaled to today in terms of total customers using the platform? Uh, we're about um, five close to 550. Okay, good. Good. This is very much kind of like, you know, you, at that level, you can afford to kind of be high touch, really nurture nature on board versus having, you know, 50,000 customers at a much lower ARPU. Yeah, that that said, we do um, actually tier our customers because the the uh, the enterprise customers, the if we gave them, if we gave all of our customers the same amount of high touch that we give some of our enterprise customers, it's just not scalable. So we do have some one-to-many programs that we uh, the we Institute. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um, talk to me about funding. I assume you've probably raised just considering your geography. How much have you raised? Uh, we have a total of 4.6 million, uh, both debt and equity financing. Yeah, how much is just pure equity? Uh, three, three. Okay. Interesting. So uh, I want to touch on two things there. Would it have been possible for you to do this bootstrapped or I mean, or did you really feel the pressure you really had to raise? No, we, I mean, we were bootstrapped all the way through 2017. Mm-hmm. So you just so, recently raised. We just recently raised on both fronts. So we took it, we initially took in some debt financing 
in order to actually scale the way that we did, I think, I mean, we made the decision that we needed to raise. And uh, also in order to launch the second product, the AppBuddy Cloud product, that was uh, that was another driver behind uh, raising money. So just to be clear, you did the you did the 1.6 in debt or the 1.3, whatever, yeah, 1.6 in debt before the 3 million equity. Nope, we've no actually, um, yeah, we actually started with a small amount of debt and then uh, we take our debt through lighter capital. Yeah. Uh, highly recommend them, they're great. Um, and we just do individual tranches uh, when we need them. And we've done that over the period of time since we started. And then the three million was all one shot. We got that in January 18. That's good. And what, you know, there's a lot of firms out there. I know Lighter, I know the guys there well. There's obviously SaaS Capital, Timia, Hercules, a ton. Why did you decide to work with Lighter? Uh, number one, they're just really great guys. Uh, you know, when you're talking about finding a funding partner, whether it's a debt financing partner or an institutional financing partner, it's just really, you have to, uh, you have to work well with them, right? The models on all the revenue-based, fi- we were looking at sort of a revenue-based financing model when we first started uh, to look for debt. Um, I would say that there are other, for our size company now, there are actually other um, facilities out there, but still, and we actually explored them. Um, even at later stages. But the thing about Lighter is that they're just so darn cool to work with. And they're, uh, they they find something that they ended up finding something that was always appropriate for us every time we uh, wanted to take uh, another tranche or have different, uh, we had different requirements. Yeah. Now, are you still on a revenue-based kind of finance that you're paying back as a percentage of gross receipts per month? Uh, I can't disclose that. Okay. I mean, look, I know the light, they've come on the show many times. They have many of their portfolio companies come on the show. I, I have never seen them do something that is not revenue-based financing. So that's, that's why I'm, that's why I'm curious. Yeah. Then I guess that's the answer to the question. Okay. Yes. By the way, that's like, on, I mean, I don't know. I don't know why you keep that. I'm not trying to be coy, but like I do, I'm, I take my non-disclosure agreements very, very seriously. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I mean, it's on their website that that's what they do, right? They don't do term loans. Typically that ends up with an SVB on the back of a VC round and things like that. So, I mean, that's, this is why I'm asking. I, I am curious once you raised VC, uh, a lot of people would argue like an SVB, the, the interest rate is significantly lower, uh, effective interest rate relative to like a lighter. You chose to stick with lighter, which is great. Did you compare the term loan option after the VC raise? And if so, why'd you stick with lighter? Um, we did compare the term loan uh, option out, uh, after the VC raise, and there was just uh, a lot of moving parts that made us decide that we wanted to stick with lighter right now. Yeah, you're talking warrants, covenants, just other things that added complexity to the deal. Yeah, there's those, and then also just a team that uh, you work with, and um, uh, also just what our capital requirements were. Yeah, no, that all makes that all makes good sense. Um, very good. Okay, so raised just recently three million equity, another one six in kind of venture debt. That's great. And then kind of growth year over year. What are you guys at now? Um, where again, I, I, Nathan, I, I, I don't want to keep on uh, asking about like uh, um, you know specific numbers because I don't want to give you specific numbers. But we're definitely in a. a going at a, a good clip right now. Yeah, you can, by the way, you can give me a range. I'm just I'm just generally trying to understand, are you talking like 10% or 100% year over year? And any range you want to give is fine to be vague. Uh, south of 100 and north of 10, that's for okay. sure. Well, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's fine. I totally understand yeah. that. Um, by the way, I always wonder, I mean, did you listen to any other episodes before you came on? I did. Okay, yeah, yeah so you kind of knew what you're getting into. Well, why agree to come on at all when you know what like the format is? 
Uh, well, I emailed you like right before and told you that I wasn't going to give you any numbers. Yeah. Um, I thought what we were going to talk about too is also just like some motivations for uh, got into this business, uh, some other things about how we were going to be successful. And um, yeah, I felt like our email exchange before was uh, was pretty clear. Um, sorry if this doesn't meet your expectations. No, not at all. Well, I mean, let's talk about that. I asked about no nine. That was my first question about where your head was. And I think you gave a good answer and you gave us a lot of history there. So I think we did cover that. Uh, let's talk more. Let's talk more about where you see the space going. So what's going to drive future growth? Yeah, we really, really feel great about partnerships. Uh, one thing that's been really great is that we've, uh, um, not only been seeing an uptick in our SI partnerships, but also with our OEM partnerships. So a uh, great thing about AppBuddy is that it can tack on to almost any uh, uh, category application. And um, we've uh, seen success with uh, these OEM partnerships as a total testimony to that. Are they helping keep kind of retention super high or vice versa, churn super low? How are you thinking about, I mean, SaaS companies, obviously, you have to keep churn in check. How are you doing that? Yeah, I mean, uh, with, with those partnerships specifically, I mean, there's always the risk that, um that is out of your control. Uh, we just tightly work with our partners to kind of uh, forecast that correctly. And, um, you know, the partners that we have uh, uh, done these OEM agreements with, actually one of them already did a renewal for the, the, um, the exact same um, level that they were at the previous year. So uh, that is a success factor right there. But um, actually, it ends up being uh, some of the most predictable uh, revenue that we have um, because of the partners that we're partnered with. They're just really, really strong. Mm -hmm. So Do we actually evaluate them as much as they evaluate us. Yeah. The, the, any additional complexity you add in a business in terms of product lines means you have to kind of refactor and rethink about what do I have to, a customer that comes to this channel, what do I have to get them to do in the first seven days to make them like super sticky? And then usually there's obviously like a SWAT team that goes in and drives that behavior on every channel. Have you been able to normalize where it's actually the same thing on every channel or, or do you have complexity there where it's actually a different agenda on every channel? There's definitely complexity. And actually, we get in before the deal is signed. So uh, our pre-sales team is pretty much second to none. And a lot of, in a lot of cases, the use case is almost completely configured before we actually hit day one of the subscription. So, um, so implementation time ends up being like even shorter. But yeah, we, we really have to ensure the success of that initial implementation, make sure it's as fast as possible and make sure that people are adopting as well as possible. And that's when our customer success team gets on the phone within that first week and, and has a kickoff call and really starts to go through. At that point, it is a repeatable process where after we sign the deal, where our customer success team has a cadence that they uh, schedule with the customer within the first three months. For us, the first three months is really the most crucial. Yep. And then obviously, uh, you know, I want to get in your head here. Last question on economics. How aggressive do you like to be just as a CEO? This is really a personal preference thing when it comes to payback period. You mentioned you're going after kind of five and six figure deals. Are you willing to spend up to that same amount or first year ACV to grab that account in the first place? We like to get below 12 months revenue payback period. Okay. Sure. Are, are you still working to get lower than that or is that about where you're at right now? Uh, we're looking to get, uh, always improve that. Okay. Sure. Got it. Fair enough. All right. Let's wrap up here, Mark, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, there's an old school one. I really love uh, Crossing the Chasm. Yeah, Jeffrey Moore. That's a good one. Uh, yeah. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying that the rest of us might not know about? Uh, CEO that I'm fond of that the rest of you guys might not know about. Hmm. I don't know the answer to that question. 
Okay. Uh, number three, uh, what's your favorite online tool for building the business? For building the business, meaning like operations and whatnot? Yeah, the tool you use the most on a daily basis that has to do with you building the business. Uh, I usually use Zora. I personally use Zora the most. Okay. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Seven to eight. Okay, that's pretty healthy. And what's your situation? Married, single kiddos? Sing- single. No kids? Uh, just a dog. Just a dog. That's good. And how old are you? Uh, 47. 47. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? <laughs> uh, to read more. Read, read more. Guys, there you have it from Mark AppBuddy, launched back in 2009. Have two key products. Uh, they're scaling nicely. 550 customers right now. Uh, CRM kind of workflows integrations, making everything more efficient. Again, 550 customers paying anywhere between five and six figures per year in terms of ACV, growing between 10 and 100% year over year. They've just raised 3 million bucks in equity, another 1.6 in venture debt from Lighter Capital. Again, scaling nicely with their team of 30 in remote locations as they look to acquire new customers and optimize for a 12 month payback period. Mark, thanks for taking us to the top. Hey, Nathan. Thanks thanks so much. Appreciate it.